This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Joining me on today's show is Muriel Stedman. When Muriel was in high school, she wanted to be an author. She wanted to teach in France, marry a Frenchman, and have bilingual children. Well, life didn't quite turn out that way. And Muriel has been practicing law for over 20 years now in the UK, in Australia, as well as the Caribbean. And she helps clients at the contract drafting stage so that they can avoid future disputes. Now, if a dispute does arise, and obviously where she's not engaged to advise on the contract, she advises on how to resolve the dispute, including by litigation, arbitration, mediation and negotiation. Now, her clients operate in energy and resources, life sciences, as well as healthcare industries. Now, Muriel has nine-year-old identical twin daughters as well. Now, on today's show, she's going to share things about leadership, the law and litigation. She's going to talk about how senior females in the law, how you can not just survive, but how you can thrive, as well as tips for businesses on how you can even avoid getting to that litigation stage and so much more. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, Anne-Marie. When I was uh, reading through and now, of course, shared the introduction with uh, our audience, I I love how, you know, you wanted to be an author, you wanted to teach Mm -hmm. in France, you wanted to marry a Frenchman and have bilingual children. And of course, life didn't turn out that way. You're now a practice lawyer and have been doing so for 20 years. What was it that um, led you down the path to, to law? It's an interesting one, Anne-Marie. So um, I actually had a very good friend at school who wanted to be a lawyer. And I used to just say, oh, law, law's boring. But I didn't actually know anything about it. Um, And my form tutor um, one day said to me, I actually think you would be very well suited to law. And I I think that's probably because he found me quite argumentative. I would like to get my way. And I, um, you know, was very happy to put my point forward. So it was really after he'd suggested it a few times to me that I thought, well, maybe there is something in it. And so I did my research and I found that actually um, going into law and being a lawyer, it encompassed so many of the things that I really enjoyed. So, you know, wanting to be an author Um, You know, we write letters every single day. We write submissions for the court. Um, We write emails. We have to communicate and we have to get our message across and we have to persuade. Um, And so those aspects of what I really enjoyed about writing, I could bring into my career as a lawyer. Um, And I really like history as well. And I obviously enjoy languages and The history part is very much when you're looking at the different cases over the years and how case law has changed, how that has impacted on an industry. Um, And then in terms of being able to actually put that into practice, 
um, and actually help people, you know, being the one who can come up with ideas and, and solve problems. I've always been the sort of person who, um, faced with a situation or, a, you know, a friend's issues, I'm always the one offering advice. Um, I know nowadays you're supposed to listen, not, not offer advice when it comes to personal things, but, you know, I will always draw upon my experience or the people's experience and really try and help people through whatever problem they're facing and, and get to a practical solution as quickly as possible. Um, so all of the aspects really um, feed into life as a lawyer. Yeah, what a wonderful story. And uh, how often it's people that have been mentors, teachers that have recognized strengths and skills in us that we may not have necessarily seen ourselves and then been able to direct you to now. Of course, you've had 20 years in that industry. If you were to look back at some of the key lessons around leadership, uh, law, and litigation, what would be some of the more, and, the, and it may be some specific um, projects that you've worked on that has allowed you to develop the leadership skills or who you are as you approach work. Are there any uh, insights into that that we can kind of take from you as we're looking at how can we be better leaders where we're serving and where we're providing our, you know, leadership and, and our guidance and support? Mm. Um. So what I noticed over the years, because obviously you start out in a profession and you're junior um, and you're very much learning. And so what I noticed was that people had such different leadership styles and different management styles. And I, I do think there's a, a big difference between a manager and a leader. I really do feel and I have experienced that a true leader will inspire you to do your best will make you feel part of a team and part of something bigger than you are and that your contribution is, is valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I did really as my career was progressing was I took on board the parts of leadership that I had found really helped me. And I know that people have different styles, different personalities. So one leadership style might not work for everybody. Um, but I took bits from different people and, and put them together in a way that suited me so that my leadership style is authentic, you know. And I think it really comes, Anne-Marie, from the point of view of I care about people, um, you know, whether that's people in my team or the people who are my clients. You know, I really am... Um, emotional in the sense of forming connections and wanting the best for people and wanting to see them succeed. Um, and that's really what, what drives me in terms of my leadership style. I love to see, particularly with juniors, that progression as they go through and they, they've never done something before. For example, recently I had a junior lawyer who'd never drafted an affidavit um, and so I pointed him to a previous affidavit that had been drafted for the matter um, and let him let him get on and, and have a go. And he would come to me and ask me questions and I, I would go back to him. Um, but my style is very much, I will try to give the person as much responsibility as possible, as much autonomy as possible, so that they can then explore the limits of what they're comfortable with but I'm always there as a safety net. 
Um, yeah. So the minute they've got questions, you know, whether it's by email, telephone, in person, obviously, you know, with COVID, it's a bit different nowadays. Um, but I will always come back to them um, where I'm suggesting something different to what they're thinking. I'll explain why. I'll explain where it fits into the big picture. I'll make sure that people are copied on correspondence on a matter. So I'm not just drip feeding work to them where they don't really see the big picture. I'm explaining where their contribution fits in so that they can feel valued and part of what we're doing. Because at the end of the day, Anne-Marie, we are a team and it's really important that we work together collaboratively so that we get the best result for our clients. Yes. Where I'm coming from. Yeah, there's so many aspects to that which I love, and I think can be really brought across any industry as we are mm. growing, nurturing, supporting, leading our team. What I love about that is it sounds very empowering, doesn't it? It's not just telling someone what to do, not giving them the big picture. And and as you said, these were some of the things that stood out as a young and upcoming lawyer from some of the standout leaders. And it's wonderful to see that you're doing the same now with uh, up and coming lawyers. When it comes to law, uh, the industry in general, and you're probably far more versed in this than what I am, but from what I hear is it still seems to be like many other industries, um, male dominated, if I, more men within the industry than say women. Uh, Is that still the case today and uh, are there some positive changes happening what what are you seeing Meryl? Um, So at that entry level in terms of graduates coming into law firms or into um, uh, companies um, it's actually the other way around so you get about 60% of new entrants who are female Um, but that But as they progress up through the ranks, you're not then seeing that at the more senior lawyer level and definitely not at the partner level. And I think think things are changing. Um, It's slow change, definitely. And I, I think really it comes down to, as a female, you finding a firm or a company um, that has the same values and the same approach as you do. Um, And that's different for everybody. So each female will have their own drivers as to what particularly they want to achieve in life. Um, And obviously for for women, because they do need to take time off to to have a child or children, um, that can then impact on their career progression depending on the particular firm. Um, But Anne-Marie, the way that I have always approached it, and I, I think it is a bit of a novel approach, is um, when I was junior, I I didn't notice whether partners were female or male. I noticed them as people, as, you know, were they a good person? Were they a decent person? Was I learning from them? Did I like their style? I didn't think in terms of, well, there's not many female partners. I didn't didn't even think at all in in, in terms like that. And it was actually friends who would say to me when I was junior, well, but look, there's there's hardly any female partners in this firm. Do you think that's, how, how can we aspire to be partners when there aren't the females to look up to? And yes. I know that there is a real focus on you have to see it to be it, but I, I disagree. I think 
the only way to really affect change is for you to think, this is what I want to do. It doesn't matter whether I'm male or female, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to speak to people, whether male or female, find out how they did it, how they achieved what I want to achieve, um, and see, see if you can get help along the way from people, whether they are male or female. Um, and I do think nowadays there is that much more focus on you have to see it to be it. Um, and I, I do, in a sense, feel that that is a bit of a shame because I feel that maybe women limit themselves because of that. And I'm not by any stretch of the imagination suggesting that there aren't um, difficulties that as women we do face in any profession, I think, um, particularly the more male-dominated professions. Um, but some of my best friends are male. Um, some of the, um, the best partners I know and get on with are male. Um, and so again, it's more, for me, it's more down to personality rather than being male or female. And I do genuinely believe that you just need to have the support of people around you um, and, and you can achieve what you want to achieve. You know, it, it's possible. Don't limit yourself. Don't think, I haven't seen somebody else do it because no entrepreneur um, has seen somebody else do it. Yeah, so true. I love everything that you've said about that. And uh, I, I could not agree more. You know, recently, we've just had um, the women International Women's Day. And of course, the hashtag was there breaking the bias. And as you said, there are some industries, organisations, so forth that have worked some work to do. So that that's good. Exactly. However, we need to do a, a self evaluation, don't we? Is there a bias that I'm carrying around? Do I look through the lens of there are more men here rather than saying look there's lots of opportunities you're here so you know there's a lot of opportunity for you that's so true the networking the people you connect with the mentors that you learn from let it be the skill their talent their approach all of the things that stand out in the right positive way that can continue to shape and influence who you who you are what projects you put yourself forward with uh, and for and and who you continue to network with. So then speaking then specifically, say, Muriel, for the things that you've learned, more so to those senior females in law, you've got some wonderful insights that you have said that you can share around how not to just survive in the industry, but how to thrive. Some of them you may have already shared, but let's recap or there may be some other insights that you would love to share in this area as well. Yes, definitely, Anne-Marie, because um, I think there's also a number of women who would say that they support women and they will help women. Um, but actually, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, I think sometimes it's a bit lip service. Whereas when I say it, it's what I genuinely believe. You know, some of the organisations that I belong to, such as the Mentor Walks um, Mentoring Scheme, um, which was set up by Bobby Marlab. Um, you know, senior women about town, and it's across several states, but senior women um, give up some time to go for a walk. Um, here in Perth, it's along the foreshore on the city side, um, and you're matched with juniors um, in all different industries. Um, and you, they, they submit questions in advance, and then you just talk as you walk. 
Um, and that's the sort of thing that I think is so important um, at, at all levels, because even um, being senior, it, it doesn't mean that you can't learn from people who are more junior or who are in different industries, because everybody has a different life experience and therefore different life lessons that they can teach you. Um, and I, I love those walks because I would say I learn as much from the mentees who I'm matched with as they learn from me. Um, yes. And so in terms of thriving, I think um, work is very important and particularly in law, you know, it can be very long hours. Um, so it's really important that you have good people around you. Um, and I think be courageous. If it isn't working where you are, then actually take the time to think about what it is that's missing to actually make you thrive and make you feel like the, the best person, the, the, the person you want to be. On those days where you wake up, you've had a great night's sleep, you feel like you could conquer the world, you know, um, are you in an environment that makes you feel like that? And if you aren't, is it a temporary blip? Or is it actually about the environment and the people that you're spending time with? Because in any profession, you probably spend more time or, or equal time with the people you work with as with your people at home. Yes. Um, and so having good relationships and supportive relationships is really so key to making sure that you do thrive. Um, and that courageous step of, actually questioning is that is this where I want to be I think sometimes you know we we start something and it feels amazing you know the honeymoon period and then you settle down into um, the more day-to-day -day. and sometimes that's fine and you, you do have ups and downs obviously but um, just always be checking in with yourself is this still the right environment because people come and go from organizations so things do change and so an environment that you were thriving in could, within even a few months or a year, have changed significantly. Um, and then also think about the people that you're working with who might be outside your organisation. So particularly for lawyers, um, are the types of clients that you have, are they clients that you get on with? Are they, are they in industries that you're interested in? Um, are they in businesses where you actually are passionate about knowing what their business is and how it operates so that you can better help them. Um, I think those are all important questions to answer to really assess whether you are in the right place and, and whether it is time to look for somewhere um, where you might be happier going forward. Yeah, all of those are such great, great uh, insights. And if I go back to one of the things that you said earlier on, which I think is so important, not just for the law industry, but for all industries, and that was where you said supporting others. I think, um, you know, there is enough challenges for men and women uh, in the workplace and, and in life in general, if you will, um, that being that supportive person is so important, isn't it? To mentor, 
what I wanted to, to share a little bit or ask you to share a little bit more about is as you continue to develop your career and then get to that senior role, the level of support or maybe, as you said, the, the more seniority level in a law firm, often there aren't those, say, partners and so forth that are other women. And sometimes even though we really value and we respect our male colleagues, it is just some, something so special to be able to talk to someone who is at the similar level to us of what's going on in our industry. So what have you done, uh, Muriel, or what advice can you give for senior females in the law whose you know, network may be smaller and who would love to have support and just you know, another shoulder or another someone to talk to just through some of the day-to-day things that may come up in that industry. There's some things that you uh, have done that were notable and was really supportive for you along the journey. Um, well, what I did, Anne-Marie, because obviously um, I'm not from Australia originally and so because I have worked so I'm actually from a town in the north or a city, I should say, in the north of England. Yes. Um, and I've moved several times, therefore, during my life because I moved to London um, to do my training at Baker McKenzie. Then I moved to Sydney and I worked at Allen's. Then I moved to the Caribbean and I worked at an offshore firm and then I moved to Perth. So I've got used to... Um, building relationships in the environment that I have joined. Um, It's one of those things where, you know, I do have strong friends who are back in the UK where I'm from, um, but they are more friends from university days as opposed to school. Um, I think in the UK, because people tend to go to school or definitely in, in um, when I was going to university, it was really a natural break because people go to all different cities for university. And so it, it turns out that the relationships you build at university tend to be more the ones that you then carry through your life because you're studying together, you're studying the same subject. And particularly with law, um, you go on generally into the profession Um, So I do have those strong networks that I can um, tap into back in the UK. Um, But each place that I've gone, um, I've always looked for people who are like-minded in terms of that support where I can support them and they can support me. Um, And it's just, I guess it's an extension of friendship for me. Um, So developing those friendships where you can support each other, you can be a sounding board for each other. And, um, you know, on those days where things are going well, you can celebrate success together over a glass of champagne. Um, Where things are not going so well, you can commiserate together over a glass of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and what I have found is, um, you know, I've found both male and female partners who are, the, the kinds of friends that you can have on speed dial, who you can just ring up. Um, some are in the law, some are actually not in the law. Um, and I've even got clients who I've become such good friends with um, that they're actually friends who I would confide in and who I would use as a sounding board as well and who I support uh, in the difficulties that they face in day-to-day life as well. Um, 
so for me personally, you know, I, I am that kind of personable type of person. Um, I was the one as a junior lawyer when we were faced with a, a room full of Leverage files that um, there were two copy sets and we had to check each one. I think there were 30 odd um, individual sets to check. Um, it was me who got straight on the phone, ringing around all of the junior lawyers. Can you just give us an hour of your time, even just half an hour of your time? Just come, read through, page turn on the file. And, and we did it. We did it in a couple of hours maximum because I had already developed those relationships that I could call on people for a favor. And they knew that I wouldn't abuse their, their you know, kindness of giving up half an hour, an hour of their time. Um, and so that's that's where it really comes from. You know, I, I care about people. And I think when you care about people and, and helping them to be their best, then they want to do the same for you and support you. Yeah, so great what you've just shared. And just, again, reinforcing the value of the relationships that you build. And it just really rings through from you know, and I'm sure you were as a young age as well, very intentional in the relationships because you knew that reciprocating, you know, you being a support, you being of service, you being there if they needed was going to be there for you as well. And what I love about that is like, you know, when you want to make a difference, or you need to be a difference, don't you? So extend that hand first, extend that support and people will see whether you're genuine or maybe not so genuine and, uh, it's just testament to that. That really is how life, business, relationships um, work so well when you when you take that approach. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. So now, of course, we've heard, um, you know, and being able to gain a sense of just who you are, even when you're dealing with business, uh, with your clients and in, in your day-to-day -day as a leader as well, you've got that wonderful um, approach, you know, and really thinking about others as well, not just yourself, which I just love. And I know that you wanted to share just some tips for businesses on how to avoid litigation. And I know that you're going to repeat this, but of course, this is just general advice, sets and things. And if you do need someone, I have got someone a great connection you can reach out to you if you do need that legal support but Mary what what insights would you like to share here mm, thank you Anne-Marie um I think the key thing is really making sure that the contract that you have agreed um, is accurately reflected in a written document um, it, it's easy for people to get caught up in the moment being excited by the deal um, and not properly read through. And that's where you can really become unstuck in the future because you think that something has been agreed because um, you've, you've agreed it verbally, but then you've entered into a written contract to confirm the terms. And if something goes wrong in the future, you suddenly look at the contract and think, or oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> it doesn't quite say what I thought had been agreed. Um, so it's really crucial in those early stages to make sure that you're properly reviewing your contract. Um, if you're excited about a deal um, because you're purchasing something to on sale, again, if it's not your contract, then do make sure um, that you understand the terms, that there's not something really strange in there, which means that the other side can change the way that it performs or what it 
it's supplying under the contract, um, or, or, or that it can change the price um, if there's no parameters around that. Um, and then I think in terms of contracting generally and relationships, now obviously it depends on the industry that you're in, um, but each company does have a kind of personality and I think that comes from um, either the board or the CEO in terms of um, how the organisation is run or a mixture of the two. Um, and so do you think about the reputation of the company or the people that you're contracting with um, or thinking about doing a deal with um, and just assess if it is the right fit um, again, it's not that everybody has to be the same, but it's just thinking in advance about those potential risks um, and whether the reward at the end of it is going to be worth it. Um, you know, I know several people who have moved roles because the organisation they joined, um, you know, had a very different culture and a very different ethos to their approach to life. Um, and it's the same when you're when you're doing business, um, entities are doing business with each other. It's just something to be aware of. Um, I think the best deals and the most successful deals tend to happen when people know each other. Um, you know, they do business together regularly, um, and, and they go out. You know, they spend time outside of work together. It doesn't have to be that way. But I just think the stronger the relationship you have, the more likely if there are niggles along the way that you'll be able to resolve it amicably and it yes. won't become, um, you know, a difficult situation um, and, and people won't become entrenched in their views because they know you as a person and they know that you're a decent person and so therefore whatever has arisen can probably be resolved if you just talk about it in a reasonable way and, and have some kind of negotiation. Yeah, so true. And, you know, as you're sharing that um, and valuable, you know, you you have also said as, as well, and I know that, you know, before any relationship and, and before you even sign on a dotted line or how many business deals are done by word of mouth or a handshake, which is fine, but really it's often the things that have not been spoken about, the things that are not clearly documented, the fine line between the obligations for the two parties. When that is murky, that often can become the undoing, which could have quite easily been navigated through were it in black and white and agreed upon before it ever got to a stage where um, things may be difficult to, to handle, if you will, or to sort out. Because often then by the time we do get to see someone such as yourself, and I will get you to explain for those who may not know what the difference between, well, obviously we know what litigation is, but arbitration, mediation and negotiation, a little bit of time on that. But, you know, by the time someone does come or two parties do come, all of the emotions and all of those other things which really could have been dealt with it and it's like a snowball effect isn't it by that time people are just kind of the, the thing has grown far out of proportion that it could have been handled quite easily so we want to avoid that so um share a little bit about what would be a couple of sentences around the differences between litigation arbitration mediation and negotiation Yes, so um, negotiation, that's the quickest and simplest way to resolve something. It's generally the parties just 
meeting together and trying to discuss how they can resolve the issue that has arisen. Um, mediation is where you have a third party who will meet together with the two sides and they'll talk together, they'll each present the issues that they have, and then the mediator will generally put each of them in separate rooms and act as a go-between in terms of communicating between the two parties um, and trying to bring them to a resolution. Um, and people who do that role of mediator, they're trained in it, um, yes. so they have more advanced mechanisms for trying to bring the parties to an agreement um, than the parties themselves might have. Because generally, you know, if you're in that kind of business role, even a CEO role, you almost certainly haven't done training as a mediator. Some yeah. have, it's, it's true, but the majority won't have done. And so it just gives you that extra step in terms of um, a, a bit more support in trying to resolve the issue because you haven't been able to resolve it between yourselves. Yeah. Um, and then arbitration and litigation, they're more where you haven't been able to resolve things. Although having said that, um, often arbitration or mediation will be commenced and there'll be a mediation at some point during the process and often more than one mediation. Um, where the parties do say, well, actually, do we want to progress this to trial or to an arbitration hearing, or do we want to get it resolved now? Um, yes. So, so they, they do overlap. Um, with litigation, um, you're in court, and your matter will be decided by a judge. Um, and there's a, a procedural process to follow, which is set down by the particular court's rules. Mm -hmm. um, that's an, an open process. Anybody can come to court and sit and watch your case. Um, and the judgment that the judge hands down will be publicly available as well. Right. Um, arbit arbitration is more um, confidential. Um, so it's a, it's a separate process where um, generally the parties will appoint either an arbitrator each who will then appoint a third arbitrator to chair the tribunal, um, or there'll be a mechanism in the contract for a third party to appoint an arbitrator. Yes. Um, the benefits of arbitration, um, it, it does follow a similar procedure to litigation, um, but there's more flexibility around how the parties do things um, and the order of things as well. Um, the, the big benefit is that it's confidential. So even if you do go all the way to a hearing um, and the arbitrator or, or arbitrators, whichever comprise the tribunal, um, whatever decision they make, it's a confidential decision that isn't published and isn't publicly available. Um, nobody outside of the um, parties and the arbitrators and any expert witnesses that they have can, can hear what's going on. Um, and anybody outside of the parties um, will only be there for their particular part of giving evidence if they're an expert. Um, so that's why parties will sometimes want to go the arbitration route because they, they effectively don't want their dirty linen aired in public. And that's the benefit that you have with arbitration. 
Yeah, fantastic. And thank you for so clearly explaining that uh, to us. And, and of course, it, it, one of the areas that you do is to advise on how best to resolve the dispute. And I would imagine that every case or every situation will have its merits as to which one would be best for them um, to ultimately come to a resolution as best as possible that both parties can can go away feeling, yep, heard and, um, and that it, it it has yeah, come to a good resolution and, and close. Not so much sometimes, but, you yeah. know, again, had the contract. I'm sure you look at contracts and think, well, had that been worded slightly different, uh, we could have had a quite a different approach to that. So, again, get it right in the first place for the contract stage, which I know is what you do as well. You uh, help clients at the contract drafting stages so that they never ever need to get to that future dispute um, stage. And if they do, it's something that can quite easily be discussed, negotiated, and people on their way. Mariel, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find out more about you? What is the best way to connect? Um, websites, all of that. How, how best? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so obviously, people can um, connect with me by um, inviting me to connect. They can send me a message. Um, the firm that I'm at, Mills Oakley, they have a website and my contact details are on the website. Um, so those are probably the two best um, methods of, of reaching out. Um, I definitely spend quite a lot of time on LinkedIn. So I do respond to messages when I receive them. Um, so yes, feel free to, to reach out and uh, have a chat, connect, um, you know, go for coffee, whatever it is. I'm, I'm always happy to um, meet new people and get to know them and um, see how we can help each other. Fantastic. And of course, you are a member of Business Women Australia, and that is a great way to connect as well. And if you are in the same state and maybe in the same town as Muriel, uh, you can go and attend a Business Women Australia networking function. So if you've listened to the show and you'd like to find out a little bit more about, of course, Muriel, go to uh, her LinkedIn profile. The details will be on the show notes. And of course, if you'd like to find out more about Business Women Australia and how you can become part of this dynamic collective of leaders and learners so that you can gain knowledge and skills that enable you to succeed in business because you are networking and developing relationships with people such as Muriel uh, who are part of our network. All you need to do is go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au. Thanks once again for coming on the show, Muriel. Thanks, Anne-Marie. It's been fabulous.